Welcome to So You Want to Be an Ally. We share our stories and our insights on non-Black allyship to Black women. My name is Darlene. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I help parents advocate for their Black and Brown kids' emotional and racial identity development needs. And that's because our kids deserve the opportunity to grow, learn, strive, and thrive. My name is Olani Ke. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And my life experience led me to becoming an advocate for equity in the workplace, which led me to starting a consulting business where I help workplaces who want to do better. Want to be an ally? Gather around and listen up. All right. Welcome back to So You Want to Be an Ally. Um, we have uh, in attendance myself, Darlene, and Olani Kay. And today we are going to be digging in our question, when should allyship show up? So Nikkei, why don't you take us into today's uh, podcast? When should allyship show up? I, I kind of want to say all the time. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> because it can feel like, I want to say all of the time because it can feel like that's the answer is anytime that I feel like I or other Black women or other Black people are somehow like exposed to some kind of threat. Mm-hmm. That's when allyship should show up. Right. And it really feels like we're under some sort of threat or fearful of some sort of threat, even when we're sitting in our own home, minding our business. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So there is an opportunity, I would say, for anyone who considers themselves an ally or wants to be an ally yeah. um, to really start to pay attention in, in whatever spaces they're in, there's an opportunity to, to potentially be an ally. And you may have somebody in that room with you or in that space with you that um, is creating, a, not creating, but their presence is, cre- is creating a situation of some sort that gives you the opportunity to show up as an ally or they may not even be in that space. It may be a space that is, for example, all white and you're noticing that there's conversation or discussions that are being had without the perspective of some group that's represented. And that's an opportunity for you to be an ally as well. So, you know, if we're talking about in the United States of of this America, (laughs) that's a fire. (laughs) It is like all the time. Right. And let me be clear. So, cause I'm going to kind of, mm-hmm. for clarification, yes. um, throw back or reflect back to you what you said. So earlier, obviously you said all the time and I had this reaction or response like, uh, yeah, right. Um, and I will be transparent and say, that's because I know um, that um, allies can't be everywhere that we are. Um, and so we're not looking for this saviorism. We're not looking for a cape. Um, but so mm-hmm. that was kind of my reaction and my response, like, oh, right. good luck with that. They can't yeah. be everywhere with us. Nope. Um, but I also wanted to speak to the, the This America you pointed out is that there's just so much going on right now um, mm-hmm. that, you know, part of allyship is just kind of carrying a burden with us, as we talked about in our last mm-hmm. segment. Um, but you do make an excellent uh, distinction. And there are spaces where, you know, you might um, come to the support, not the aid and not the savior, um, but be in the space of support of, as in a comrade, as I think you talked about before. Yeah. Um, when you're noticing that a person of color or a black woman 
um, is experiencing that level of distress that you just described, but then also in those spaces. So obviously that's one space. And then there's also the space where there are no people of color and you often hear the story of uh, uh, Thanksgiving. A lot, of, mm. a lot of allies that I've uh, come to know have always processed that experience of like what the holidays are like and everybody got that aunt or uncle or grandpa or whatever, right? <laughs> so then <laughs> that, that kind of reminds me of what you were talking about in that second example mm. you gave. So what would you say or could you yeah. say to the people who are, you know, when they first hear, you know, all the time, they're like, you asking a lot, lady. <laughs> <laughs> what could you say um, to them? Yeah, I would say that if you're if you're just at the early part of this journey, that is a lot to ask because you're still learning what all these things that you don't already know, right? That's that's assuming that you're at the early part of your journey. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, a friend of mine texted uh, me in a group text earlier today and said that she was talking to a woman who was like in her mid forties, grew up in um, a smaller city in North Carolina, and had no clue, like what wasn't aware of Jim Crow, the Jim wow. Crow era, Jim Crow laws. Wow. Li- like literally did not know. Had to go yeah. Google and look up what Jim Crow meant and what it was. And it blows my mind. That even now. That even now yeah. somebody that is in their mid 40s mm. grew up in these, in this <laughs> America. This America. In these United States of this America. Right. <laughs> And had no clue what that was. So it it makes me want to be more careful with my language. Like, yeah, that lady can't be, can't be an ally all the time right now. She has a lot of homework and a lot of learning (laughs) to do first before she can be meaningful, like meaningfully impactful to anyone. But it seems like this is maybe the beginning of that, a a journey for her. This is somebody that, you know, I probably wouldn't have the tolerance or the like ability to like sit with and and walk through things because I think a lot about like psychological safety and it's only become more present for me in the last couple of years. Like I had to make intentional and I'm continuing to make intentional decisions about what mindsets and like philosophical positions that I expose myself to. And I, and it's, it's interesting because I do this for work. Like I uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> go and present and facilitate conversations about equity issues um, in the workplace. But I'm, but I am, even in those settings, those settings, I'm a lot more open because I'm taking, like uh-huh. with this podcast, I'm taking the sense of, I've prepared myself to be in a place to be able to respond to things and address things. But in my daily life, I'm intentionally protecting my psychological safety all of the time. So if we're Facebook friends and you want to engage me in a conversation about race and you're in denial about that, you know, like racism even exists, I can't have a conversation with you. Uh-huh. Um, because on a, psycho, on, a, on a psychological level, uh-huh. <laughs> I am not safe in that conversation and I'm not safe uh-huh. with you. And I'm not in a position where I'm being, you know, I've been asked and I've agreed to come and teach or train. That's right. Um, So yeah, I would definitely say for some people, the all of the time answer is not (laughs) probably the answer that you should, you should run with. Um, But I think you should be thinking about it all of the time. You should be looking for an opportunity um, to do so, to be an ally, if that is what you have decided you want to do. One of the things you and I talked about um, as, as we're getting or linking this to the question of when should it happen, 
I find that your friend, whoever texted you about that person, I don't know if that friend was mm-hmm. someone you consider an ally or another uh, Black uh, person, but even thinking about what you just described uh, about the onus that, or the the weight that is often put on us as Black people to educate white people, like that's a, that would yeah. be a great place to be an ally. So you know Susie Q <laughs> has no idea, or as I joked with Nikkei earlier about uh, Karen's coming out with their um, their posters <laughs> during the protest. Mm-hmm. Like some Karens are waking up; they're realizing it. Mm, yeah, they might be some Karens. So yeah, that's a perfect place for when allyship should show up, um, because allyship does not necessarily always have to be next to a black person. Um, and if you're mm. finding yourself where that's when it's showing up for you, then you want to do some work around that as well, um, because part of the conversation that we'll get into later is around the motivators. So we ask, when should it show up? Well, we have to ask about the motivators for when it shows up, right? Um, Because you're going to be motivated by various things that trigger you to show up and and Mm -hmm. take on the role and identity of an ally. Um, And those motivators behind that are going to really inform how you um, behave in in those spaces, right? So, you know, if you're motivated to kind of deal with your guilt and your anxiety Mm -hmm. and you're all of a sudden like, oh my God, I need to fix what has happened for the last 400 years. That's going to be different than say the Karen who realized that, um, you know, she might have misstepped a couple of times at work. Um, Mm. She's like, ooh, I made some errors. Um, Mm -hmm. How do I correct this? Um, Because if you even listen to it, one's more of a reflective thing and one's more of an action oriented thing. So I might be getting a little too deep um, and pretty much outside of the scope of this. And this may need to be a whole nother segment, but yeah, it, it really goes to this idea of that, that onus can go on another ally, like taking the ownership away from the black woman to have to explain and describe as an ally, you can easily step into that role. And I know right. I would be happy to have a list of people I can right. send your way because <laughs> I'm yeah. tired of talking to them. <laughs> Yeah. So talking about when it should show up, that would be a great place. Yeah, that's a great place. Like, be the person that's like, okay, I'll talk, I'll, you know, yes. I'll be the person to talk to my fellow white people yes. or even my fellow Asian people, my yes. fellow Indian, like, non-Black person when it yes. comes to Black, black um, anti-Black racism and, yes. and, and Black issues. Yeah, the psychological safety piece is really, really important and as as a black woman in in america i've learned to to live with anti-black racism you learn to function with it yeah um but at times like these so we we are recording and having this conversation um at a time where the world is paying attention to what is going on in the united states as far as the protesting and the demonstrations for um for change in our policing um, and in our criminal justice system, it's everywhere right now. Everyone is looking for ways to be an ally. Everyone is asking questions. People are sharing articles. We are sharing articles and resources to help people understand and learn more about what 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 is the history here? What is the long-term, centuries-long history that has brought us to where we are today? And what can you do about it? So it can be overwhelming, but being an ally and going further, not, not just being an ally with your words, because I think there's a difference with saying, I care, and I stand with you, and there's, there's, there's that, and then there's like, 
um, I, I will carry this weight with you. I am going mm-hmm. to fight this fight as though it is my fight as well, mm-hmm. not just because I care about you, yes. but because I see how this impacts all of us, right? So I think any opportunity that you are aware of where you see that there's an opportunity for you to help make space for Black people, amplify the voices of Black people, challenge whatever narrative is happening that may be dehumanizing Black people, whatever things or actions are actually taking place that are dehumanizing to Black people. Um, Whenever that's happening in your presence, that is an opportunity for you to show up with your allyship. Absolutely. And I like how you brought back up the psychological safety, um, because that's not something that's visible in the same way we understand mental health and mental mental health diagnoses and mental illness. um, This often um, this weight of things unseen. Right. So, you know, we as a people and you know this, Alana K, we as a people, we will put on a grin, we will smile, we will Mm. push through. Um, Mm -hmm. because we are often taught from a very young age, you don't let them see you cry. You don't let them see you sweat. Um, But I've also seen a number of posts go around through social media saying, hey, your Black friends are not okay. They are smiling, they are going to work, but they are not okay. And and that's because it's just been this onset of just just constant, just, just, it's like a never-ending cycle. And the moment we feel like we've made progress, again, we're reminded of how little progress we've made. And so yep. that psychological safety becomes one of the things that often goes unseen um, from our allies. And so going back to, you know, when mm. should uh, you step mm-hmm. up, that's absolutely it. It, it. it does become all the time um, because we have incidents that happen, but yep. to hear from our, from to hear d- during this podcast that, this is something we deal with all the time, even though when no one's protesting, even yep. when no one has recently been shot, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not recently been it shot. Is all, right. It is always going on. It continues to go on. Um, yeah. You don't have to look very far to um, find an example of just overt racism where somebody's being called a nigger or just covert mm-hmm. racism where they tell you they don't see color colorblindness is one right. of those things, right? Or they're surprised yeah. that you, you did oh, something right. smart. Yeah, or amazing. Oh, like, you did that? <laughs> right. Uh, whoa, you sound <laughs> really surprised. <laughs> what so, is that about? <laughs> of course, when you said that earlier, like all the time, that's because you, you and I know that is always occurring at that's every right. level. Um, yeah. And while you acknowledge that it's not something that, you know, that's an unrealistic expectation to have the new person who walked into this area of wanting to be anti-racist, to have that, um, to take action all the time. You can absolutely take a reflective stance on your life to see what you're contributing and what you're doing about your day-to-day interactions, your day-to-day beliefs, your day-to-day reactions and responses. Um, and I would call that action. So I think that- absolutely. Right. So a lot of people that are um, wanting to now do something to support skip over (laughs) the step, you know, often the step where you learn and you read and you listen and you observe and you absorb information and figure out what is the role that you can actually play. They skip all of that and they want to go immediately to action. Uh Um, And with protests and marching and there's there's kind of 
accessible action, I guess I would call yeah. it. You can go and walk, you can go and march, uh-huh. you can go and protest. Um, but eventually it dies down, right? And then what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> so this is, this, is a, this is a long game. Like we said, yes. centuries and centuries and centuries long. So the learning and the like inner work uh-huh. that, that we want you to do, that we're encouraging you to do is action. Uh-huh. And when you actually get to the point where you're ready to take action in that workplace meeting or in that, uh-huh. you know, at your place of worship or at your kid's school or whatever it might be, the action, well, I think we'll talk about this um, in a future episode, but the action doesn't mean centering yourself or centering your voice. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. So, uh-huh. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that later. But learning, taking the time to do your homework is action. It's the yes. point that I wanted to make Yes, there. And you hit it home. You hit it home. Um, because just like you said, uh, you know, everybody is up in their movement. They're moving. And we acknowledge the allies, those, those who are able to recognize their privilege and who are using their privilege to raise the voices of Black people. Um, mm-hmm. at the cost of being arrested, at the cost of being shot right. by a bullet, at the cost of being ran over by a cop car. Like, I mean, yeah. we see you, you're out there. We see it. Yeah. Um, and we appreciate that. Uh, and we also want to lift up those who aren't able for whatever reason, whether it be your career, um, cause we don't want to lose people. We need you in the right spaces. We want you to use your privilege. So we need yeah. you to stay in your spaces, um, <laughs> your job, your own abilities, um, your own crosses that you're bearing, right? This idea that this sacrifice, um, you know, we recognize that there are things in place that will limit your ability to take action as everybody else or people typically see it. Mm. But the work that the internal work that you do, the reflecting of, you know, what kind of messages or what am I reiterating or what am I perpetuating? Like all of that is real work. That's the hard work that most people like to yeah. avoid, to be honest. Yeah, I don't want to really. deal with that. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll give, me yes. <laughs> give me a sign. Give me a sign. It's real easy to show up and go protest yes. and, and put up a sign and then go back to regular life and yep. never think about it again. Yep. But that 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 processing through that guilt, um, that shame for things that you were not a part of, but things that you take, you get privileged from, like all of that is real work. Um, that's, yep. that's hard work. So, you know, your willingness to do that, to open that door, that to me... Um, as Nick has pointed out, like that is how it shows up as well, right? That's, that's when it, that's when it should show up. When you yeah. are sitting with yourself and deciding on your day and, you know, you have people that you interact with, um, or if you're sitting in a place of privilege, um, and you have power, cause right. Mm-hmm. Power is the dynamic that we know, uh, white supremacy does not offer, uh, black people um, yeah. in certain realms. So if you have that privilege of power, uh, yeah, we don't have to see that. That's when it should show up for sure. There is a picture that you may you may have seen, Darlene. I, I want to say it was in Louisville, but I'm not sure. But it was a protest, a protest for the killing, um, the police killing of George, George Floyd. And, and there were, there was a row of white women, I think it was, holding hands in between the protesters and the police that were in like full riot gear, let's go take this, you know, down. And that picture gave me chills because it's, talk about a picture being worth a thousand words. 
because I have never seen in Anything. my lifetime or in my in history ever a group of white women protesting getting shot with rubber bullets getting hosed down dogs being fed on them getting tear gas so for this for this group to have that I, I don't even know what the story is. I've seen the picture yeah. in the headlines, to be honest. I haven't read the details. I don't know what if it was a like a planned thing or if they just showed up. Yeah. But that that visual is so powerful. Yes. Like that is that is exactly what Darlene was just talking about, right? Like that is being leveraging your privilege, right? And your power. That's an example of using yep. that to support the oppressed, the marginalized, in this case, the protesters. Yes, because it is very easy for um, police forces to turn. I mean, they've been doing it on black people for for decades, centuries, yep. <laughs> seeing yep. our pain, seeing our struggles, seeing us, you know, shot down is people are to, to a large degree immune to that. But you're if you remove all of that and you put this row of white women <laughs> in place, that that's an image that's like, huh, makes very, you think. Yep. Like you would never visualize, you would never imagine, you know, a, a scenario where white men were protesting and that was happening. We know that from a month ago yeah. when um, people were on, you know, in front of courthouses or whatever, yelling at yelling in the, with a gun, armed men with guns, yep. yelling and coughing on police and yep. nothing happened to them. So that picture was like so powerful. So I was like, yeah. Yes an example and, of of allyship in action yes and that's that's the, to me that's the culmination of it all right there had to be some level of willingness to be vulnerable like right mm. like the per they had mm -hmm. to acknowledge they, they so so this is the thing and i've had conversations about white women all the time um i i've actually purchased a book that i'll reference a little bit later but white women has have very unique privileges. And there are a lot of, and I'm sure I'm speaking to the choir here with you, um, and yeah. even of our listeners who've maybe taken a glance or read the book, White Fragility. Um, there's another book called Antagonists, Advocates, and Allies. White women have a very unique privilege and power that over the time have, they've, they've tapped into. And so those white women had to know and have an awareness yes. <laughs> that, I can link up arm to arm all my, with all yep. my whiteness as a white woman and ain't nothing going to happen to me. Right? right. In the same way that the woman at the park. Right? Exactly. Right. She so, knew her power. Exactly. She knew her privilege. Yes. And she weaponized it. Yes. Against, yeah. That is the difference. So yep. there is something beautiful about the contrast yep. between those two. Yeah. Because it brings to light that while you know, we, there's a, if, again, if you want to do some research, you want to know the history, there's a whole thing about white feminism and how there are dialogues and debates about how it does or does not fit for black mm -hmm. women, right? Mm -hmm. So that's my, with my pearl to you to go out and do some work. Um, but in those places, in those spaces is when it should show up. But that's a perfect opportunity to gain awareness. Um, a lot of people are going to hear that and feel defensive. That's your automatic response. Anytime somebody points out something that makes you vulnerable, especially when you're just now exploring and trying to figure out what's happening, you'll be like, Ooh, um, how dare she? Well, you know, I, I don't speak on anything that's not in writing. That's, that's not my approach. This is not my opinion. This is, there's <laughs> evidence. It's not, it's not opinion at yeah. all. So 
Yep. You can look it up. I think, I think that, that showing of what it means to embody and understand pri- white privilege and then to use it in a way um, that is helpful. That is the, where power and privilege meets to the benefit of allyship. Yeah. yeah. That is them. That was them understanding their systemic yes. privilege and power. Yes. Individually, those women may not feel like they Easily. have much power. Yep. Right. Great distinction. Um, but when they think about, when you think about it on a, on a, maybe an institutional level or a systemic mm-hmm. level, they have power, they have privilege, not in the same sense of like, you know, you, a privilege that maybe you have that you can buy or, mm-hmm. you know, you live in a yeah. nice neighborhood or whatever, yeah. but like they understood that their whiteness and their white womanhood, I would probably say their, yeah. their white womanhood would not be attacked in the same way that at the same level would have been exactly in the same way that we learn and this is for this is where the intersectionality this is why our podcast is very unique because we we recognize the intersectionality of being um a black person and also a woman right um and we know that there are other identities that go along with that and that inform Mm -hmm. how we are all responded to um but even even comparing that example you know the white women who formed the link to the white men carrying guns, right? Mm. So how would then white what would it ha, what what would have been the response to white women up there talking about they want the mm. right to not wear a mask? Mm-hmm. What would have been the language? What would have been yeah. right? So so yeah, so we acknowledge yeah. that <laughs> you know it the, these are real layers in this America, as Olani K pointed out. <laughs> um, and so in doing that, we also want to lift up the added piece of our skin color, the, yeah. what it means to add to that layer yeah. of black. And now how we're all thugs because we want to change policing practices that yeah. often result in the loss of our lives. Um, it's ironic how you know we have a pandemic and we move right into action um, because there was a thing that was increasingly taking lives and Mm -hmm. so there are people out here today saying hey this is increasingly taking lives we need to do something different yeah (laughs) it's not working (laughs) yeah it is that's it that's all we're saying yeah do something different that's it (laughs) stop killing us right that's all that's all that's all um so the the other thing that i learned so um where we have just a few more minutes left so i want to i want to talk about Camden, New Jersey, real quick before we okay. shift to the consider consider this segment. But Camden, New Jersey, is right across the river from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yes. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia is ablaze with protesting. Okay. Camden, as as from what I've learned, is not. Hmm. Camden revamped their entire policing system like three four years ago. And it's all available online. You can Google it. This is part of what I was doing yesterday when I found out, like, what is, what is this? Camden is, is one of those um, cities where you see the police marching with the protesters. Yeah. I'm like, you know, it's, you know, and then when I learned about the fact that they had completely revamped their policing policies like three, four years ago and oh. how they are training, continuing, ongoing training for their officers on de-escalation methods. Um, like goodness. you better be able to prove that you try to keep your job to <laughs> right yes. 
that you try to de-escalate the situation before you use force. Right. But they're trained to be able to do that. There was yeah. a, I, the article that I read told, uh, gave an example of a man that was like wielding a knife and threatening people. And the police showed up, like 15 police people showed up. And they just joined hands and formed a circle around him until he calmed down. Yeah. Wow. Like the response was totally yes. different versus yes. like three, four cop cars like surrounding him with their guns drawn. And now you've escalated the situation yes. that was already escalated, right? right. So that's, that's um, an example. Another right? example, an example that yeah. we have other options. There are other yes. options and other choices that, that we all can make. Yes. But that those in our society with power and privilege. Yes. And a systemic can at least can make. Can at least offer us suggestions. Because I think from just from the standpoint of a mother and a wife, I just really want people to come to the table and figure it out, right? I know that, and I'm sure those of us who are logically thinking and thinking rationally and are not coming from a space of emotion, and I understand there are people out there at various levels of this, right? There are some Mm -hmm. people who are so angry that they don't want any part of it and they just want to tear shit down. Kudos to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there are people who are like, I don't want no part of this because this is out of hand and I don't see any point in trying to deal with this because it ain't going to change nothing. And then there's people who are like, probably feel all those things but to kind of taking that energy to say okay let's let's get some solutions something um Mm -hmm. what i hear from that is not that what they're doing is going to work for everybody what i hear from that is there is a a, there are steps you can take that you can make some change like yours yours don't have to look like mine but at least where's an effort can 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 we get an effort can can we get a task force because at least then you could say i at least hear you at this point that task force don't have to go nowhere but at least you say i respect the fact that i acknowledge that we ain't doing this right we we created a task force then those of us who you know have all of those intersection intersectional identities who like to burn stuff but also realize it ain't gonna solve no problems uh, <laughs> can kind of follow with those with the task force and say okay we gonna keep our thumb on the pulse of this so that we can get things moving but to completely right. tell up uh, tell us as a community that we're thugs and we're acting out and just completely completely invalidating what statistics show is yeah. not the approach yeah the root cause yeah the root cause is racism <laughs> Centuries-long racism and, no and how it continues it. to show up. That's there's it. No That's the starting point. Start there. Let's start there with trying to figure out something to yes. make it better. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, I know. If I sound tired, I, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is exhausting. It's exhausting. We, we didn't even talk about, you know, I guess we can talk about from a wife wife perspective like you just said in a mother uh, perspective because there's there's a whole lot we could say yeah and just um, unpack there yeah i feel like but that's on the podcast like honestly. probably <laughs> mm-hmm. for the for the consider this section i want people to consider in whatever spaces they find themselves uh-huh. how can they make space for the marginalized and unheard uh. I think if you would just ask yourself in any yep. setting, scenario, room, <laughs> who's being margin, who's marginalized here, who's not present, who's not being yep. heard, yep. and figuring out what are the ways that you can make space. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a place to show up. I like that one. That's a place to show up. And I think I'm going to go along too with, because uh, that's kind of like a more reflective exercise. And mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go along with that one as well, because I feel like there are a number of people, as we talked about earlier, 
who have stepped out of their comfort zones and, you know, willing to physically put their bodies on display um, through protest. And I also feel like for though there are a number of people who aren't at that, at that place yet. So I feel like what we're offering today is an opportunity. This is not, and be mindful. We're not saying to the people who are protesting, hey, don't go through this exercise. Because Olani K pointed out, a lot of people like to skip this section of the Mm -hmm. allyship process. So take some time to really explore what your privileges are in the spaces you are in. And that is a very just global, ongoing process. What, What Olani K has asked is to examine the spaces that you find yourself in. So what Online K has asked is for you to examine your spaces that you're in and look to find ways to create space for um, Black women, Black people. Um, for me, I'm saying when you're sitting at home and you know, you're grabbing an ice cream or you're driving down the st- street, because I use a lot of driving time to reflect, I want you to really explore your privilege and what it shows up as um, because I feel like that's an anchoring exercise and it really, really keeps you connected so that when you find yourself with the ability to speak up on a half and advocate, you are anchored. You are already anchored in kind of where you are and that will inform what motivates you to keep pressing through because this allyship mm. work is not an easy thing to do. And it's easy to get mold down and tired and yeah. all of that. But by understanding yeah. where your privilege lies, you will understand where you're drawing from. You're drawing your energy from. And so to me, that's why yeah. these two exercises can absolutely complement each other. Um, and you choose the one you want. Um, but know that both of these are, are important for your allyship um, journey overall. So that's what I would add as to consider this. Consider your privilege. Yeah. And really, 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 really understand it. And it's an evolution. You're not going to figure it out in one day or one book or one article. It's a a journey. Yep. And it will help you in those spaces when you feel that start to learn and listen to that tug in your chest or whatever Mm. your um, anti-racist little bell is inside. It will give you an opportunity to know what to do in that moment. So with that, Olani, All right. I think that's it for today. It's been wonderful. Till next time. Until next time. All right, folks, we're going to end it there for now. We want to make sure we hear from you. So send us a note or your thoughts on the question of the day. And if you want to speak to us on a topic, send it our way. You can find us on our social media platform, at wannabe an ally or email us at wannabe an ally at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to So You Wanna Be an Ally wherever you get your personal podcasts. You can find me, Alani Kent, at my website, www.mosaicforequity.com. That's mosaic, M O S A I C, four as in the digit four equity e-q-u-i-t-y follow me on facebook and on linkedin at mosaic for equity you can find me with that handle and on instagram as well you can find me darlene at my website www.parentzonellc.com and follow me on facebook 
at Donnie Davis. That's D-A-U-N-I and Parent Zone LLC. And on Instagram at PZ Parenting Coaching. All right, we're 